Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having fondlessness, having fondlessness, having fondlessness with Jen Kirkman. Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 293. Oh my God, what are we going to talk about this week? (sighs) I bombed on a radio show on the BBC from the comfort of my own home. Earthquakes, there were two of them. I'm still not over it. And my parents give my phone number to people that don't know me or that they don't know because they don't have an iPhone. And then these people text me. These exciting stories are all here today on Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman. But let's start with the earthquakes. Oh, my God. So I live in L.A. And by the way, I'm fully aware. Everyone on Twitter was like, why are you calling it the L.A. earthquake? Because it was in other places. Like, just sh- I got it. We're a bunch of assholes. I don't know why we called it that. Because maybe the only people in California on Twitter are in L.A., <laughs> The only people on Twitter, period, are people in L.A. and Russian bots and the president. That's what Twitter is. So here's what happened. The earthquake is 150 miles from Los Angeles, and it was a 7.1. Now, if you said to me, hey, are you afraid of a 7.1 earthquake 150 miles away? I would have said, no. I would barely feel that because I have felt maybe 10, 15 earthquakes since I've lived here 18 years. It, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Does that make sense? It, I never really pay attention, though, to where the epicenter is. I don't think I've ever really thought about it because they're so tiny. I never think, oh, the epicenter was this far away and it was only a five point this. I usually just think, oh, <clears throat> I bet that earthquake was like 10 miles away in Pasadena. I never really think about where it was from. And I've been completely wrong. So in other words, my point is, My point is that if a 7.1, which is pretty high, 150 miles away can feel like it did, I'm fucked when the actual big one comes because I don't know how we survive that. I felt all cocky because my apartment is on rollers. And let me just get into the whole thing. So here's my history of earthquakes. I moved to L.A. I don't even really take it seriously. This is, what, 2002? It's after 9-11. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I just came from New York. Earthquake, come at me. Who cares? I've seen worse. I've been smelling death for three months. Guys, you knew I would weave 9-11 into this episode, and I did it. Um, so, okay. 
it, it wasn't until, and this is what scares me. According to my research, based on anecdotes and my memory, I don't remember earthquakes of a significant size being in my purview, is that a word, since until maybe 2007, and I'd lived here since 2002. They seem to be ramping up in the last few years. Now, I keep hearing from everybody, and now I'm into Dr. Lucy. Everyone seems to be into her. She's a seismologist. Everyone's saying, no, 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 earthquakes, you know, they're unpredictable. They have nothing to do with each other. If, if you have a bunch, it doesn't mean that they're ramping up and there will be more that year. It doesn't mean there'll be less. It's completely an unpredictable science, which is the most terrifying part. You have to live <clears throat> in a total state of denial at all times and yet be prepared. But just don't look at the earthquake kit you have in your closet and go, why do I have this ugly thing in here? Don't think about it because then you'll start thinking about why you have it. We must stay in a state of denial at all times. So I remember in my old apartment, I lived in West Hollywood, this one time, it was right after I got divorced, and I was terrified of someone breaking in because we had this giant glass window in the living room. And I got a stun gun that I would sleep with. <laughs> this is so stupid. It was just an apartment. I mean, if anyone's going to rob someone, you know, wouldn't you go rob a mansion? But you wouldn't. You would rob like a middle class person's apartment because they're going to have a TV and computer and that's all you really need. And I'd already had my car broken into in that same apartment and someone stole my glasses, not even my sunglasses, my reading glasses. Maybe they could get that for, I didn't know you could get some crack for some reading glasses, but I almost think that that's nice in a way. Um, I'm only accepting reading glasses and encyclopedias today. I also run a program where I give kids glasses and encyclopedias when I'm not selling crack. So when I was in that apartment, this one night, I literally sounded like somebody was banging down my front door trying to get in. It was like, I've never made a door sound effect, but you know what I'm saying. And I grabbed my stun gun and I started walking down the hall like I'm, and it was a giant stun gun. It was the size of a maybe fake machine gun and it made noises like and uh, it shot light. It shot electric looking light. So it looked like a machine gun was coming at you, but it was it was your average stun gun. So I'm walking down my hallway like that and I'm thinking, I can't believe it. Somebody actually broke in. This I was right to get this stun gun. This this is, you know, this is it now. And and as if my husband would have been any protection anyway, if that makes sense, he wouldn't have. So it was a really weird, irrational, living alone fear. I was in just as much danger living with him. And that's not a knock on him. It's just if someone's coming in, someone's coming in. And they're not like, oh, wait, there's two people here. Let me still not shoot you. They'll, they'll just shoot you and take your laptop. Not that everyone has a gun. But I did. What was a stun gun? So then I go, and there's no one there. And then I hear everybody, I the people upstairs, I can hear them walking around, turning their lights on. It's 2 in the morning. And then I go on Twitter, and people are like, earthquake, earthquake. And I was like, that was an earthquake? They happen so quick. You don't know what they are. And it sounds like someone is rattling your door. And sometimes they happen so fast in your sleep that you woke up because your bed was shaking, and you think, wait, that must have been a dream Oh, I don't know. I'm awake now. I might as well go pee. And then, again, you check Twitter, and it's like, there was an earthquake. So that's the kind of earthquakes I've experienced. Now, maybe, there was one maybe about five years ago that woke me up in the middle of the night in my new place where I live in the valley. And it was, yeah, it was significantly shaking, and things fell. Picture frames got all messed up. 
and uh, this weird Virgin Mary doll. Not a doll. It's not. <laughs> I play with my Virgin Mary doll. It was a uh, statue, like a wooden statue that was in my that was on my shelf that I took from my grandmother's house after she died. I was like, this will be a nice heirloom. Well, she came flying at me, and I thought that was totally weird, and that freaked me out, and then she landed right next to my bed. But that bedside table is where I keep my Klonopin supply, and so my Nana was an anxious person, and I believe she maybe loved a Valium now and again, and so I believe that she was like, I'm not able to protect you, but I'm going to have the Virgin Mary fly over to the Klonopin table and just to remind you that it's there should you need it but I don't need it I, that's the thing that didn't even scare me I am a, a anxious person I don't like elevators that go above the 10th floor I don't like to stay in hotels above the 10th floor um, I will hike pretty high up probably higher up than I am in an elevator or a hotel um, I used to be a fearful flyer blah blah but I for some reason not afraid of earthquakes to the point where I would get annoyed when anyone would ask me about them when I'd go back to Massachusetts, be it my family, be it friends. What about earthquakes? And I would give them the same disdain that I give for when I do interviews. And they're like, so you're coming here. You're going to be on the road here in Minneapolis. And what about hecklers? Do you just get scared of them? I'm like, I don't care about hecklers. They're not even in my mind. If they want to shout out, I get them kicked out immediately. So that's their wasted money. I do not I do not joke back with hecklers because I don't have any planned comebacks because I don't think that should be part of my art form. I think they should shut up. And then if they heckle and I get mad and I say you're being kicked out and it's awkward, tough shit, tough shit. Jen made it awkward. Awkward family moment. So don't come to the table with that bitch ass stuff next time. So I always just get annoyed when people ask me about hecklers. It's like, you think doing comedy is all about thinking about hecklers, battling hecklers. No one cares about hecklers. We don't want them. We don't like any disruption to the show. But, you know, a heckler usually isn't what disrupts a show. It's someone ordering food way too loudly or your biggest fan laughing way too loud because they want attention or something like that. So what was I saying? Okay, so the same thing. What about earthquakes in California? What? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I'm not afraid. I don't know what it is. They're not the big one. The apartment moves for a minute. It's fine. It's fine. And so it got to the point where people stopped asking me. Every time there was a 3.0 somewhere, somewhere, nobody would ask me anymore. So my family, my friends, they know, don't talk to Jen. She's an old bitch about earthquakes. This time I was like, why isn't anyone asking me? I'm so scared. This was, and this is what I hated about it. It's what I call... The morning of 9-11 uh, set the scene. It's the most beautiful day on planet Earth. And and, it, and this happens all the time in movies. I, I love any movie where you already know what's going to happen, like the movie Open Water where they're stuck. I don't even – did they live at the end? I don't remember if they get eaten by sharks or not. But anyway, it's not – they're not having a good time out there stranded – you know, doggy paddling in the water while sharks around them. But of course it starts out, oh, we got to get a babysitter. and Oh, honey, don't forget your sunblock. And oh, you know, just normal, normal business of the day, running out, getting on the plane, holding hands. Ah, finally the vacation we deserve. And I'm always like, do you see how nice everything's going? That means something terrible is happening. That's always been in therapy for 20 years, trying to eradicate my brain, uh, the thoughts from my brain that say, you know, 
don't get too comfortable because then terrible things happen. Now, if you look at it in a Buddhist perspective, it's like, yeah, bad and good happens at once. It is the suffering of life. And so stop clinging so heavily to when things are good and stop clinging so heavily to when things are bad. And you won't feel this completely schizophrenic pull every two seconds. You will just go, it's all in the same soup. Okay, so I try to do more of that. But what was interesting about this trip, and this is why I felt so gaslit, I took it so personally that there were earthquakes because I was for the first time I wasn't going to be out of town on 4th of July. Usually I like to go away. Weirdly, I always vacation in New York on 4th of July. Every once in a while I go see my family. And this year I decided to stay home because I had a lot of work to do. I'm writing three different things I had to write three different outlines for and I'm working on a book pitch. And it's easier to write when all the agents and managers and all the people are on vacation and nobody is adding more work to your plate or oh, you have this last minute meeting over here. So sometimes I like to work while others vacation. It makes my work go smoother and then I'll vacation later when I'm in Europe on my tour dates, which I'll tell you about later. So, but also I didn't really want to spend the money because I'm not really on tour this month. So I thought, of course, even though I have to work, I'll probably feel bad a little bit here and there that I didn't go anywhere and that I'm kind of cooped up. So I tried to make it a staycation. I My place is always immaculate, but I just did some extra, extra organizing, spring cleaning. Everything is in its place. I My windows, my sliding doors opened, my deck. It's, it's just adorable condo living. And my building, not Marie Kondo, but a condominium, my building I moved into five years ago is like, I moved into it because it's a brand new building and I know that it has the rollers. I don't know. Everyone talks about these rollers. I just say that. I don't even know what it means. The building's on wheels technically underneath. I don't know. But it's supposed to help it not basically crack in half when, you know, and it's a ginormous building with hundreds of people. So it's really like a hotel um, and I love it. So I'm at home, 4th of July morning. I make a pot of coffee. I go First of all, I get up really early, go to a Pilates class. Then I go buy flowers. Then I go make a pot of coffee. I'm arranging flowers. Who does that? That's like something you see. There's two things I see women doing in movies, and I'm like, no one has time for this. Putting on lotion twice a day, like putting lotion on their entire body after they get out of the shower before going to work. And I'm like, no one who's really busy working ever gets up early enough to put on lotion and then have it dry. It's not a thing. We might put it on later at different times of the day, but no one full body lotions that much. I feel like I see it a lot in Judd Apatow movies. I don't know. So then uh, the other one is arranging flowers. Like nobody does that unless you're a florist. You go to Trader Joe's. They're already put together in a little thing for you. You go home. You stick it in a vase. But I actually was arranging flowers. And I thought, this is so – I almost feel European. You know how European people uh, – it's like, I don't know how they do it. They live in the same shit world we do with internet and distractions, and they still go to the grocery store five times a week. Like, I buy one baguette, I buy one thing of celery, I buy one this, I make one meal, and then I do my routine the next day, and now I'm arranging flowers. I was just, I feel so Parisian. So I'm doing that, I make the coffee, and I'm having a friend join me. She's also on a writing deadline, and she's going to come over in a couple hours, and we're just going to write together. We basically just ignore each other. We sit there writing, but it holds us accountable. Okay, great. So I decide to light some candles because I'm a daytime candle lighter. So I light all my candles. I've got my scented ones going. I have a brand new one that I live for. I sit down. I put my fingers 
on the keyboard to start typing. And it's just, like, just like my apartment building feels like a rag doll inside of a dog's mouth. It's just going wild. And I was like, oh my God, this is the big one or a big one or something. And it wasn't, you know, over in five seconds. It was going and rolling. And there's all different types of earthquakes. Now that if you get familiar with it and live here, there's the sharp ones that are a jolt that are really fast. There's rolling ones. The rolling ones, for some reason, scare everybody. They seem to be more ominous. They seem to... I don't know. We've interpreted that it means something worse is coming. So I stood in a doorway, which I found out I'm not supposed to do because they don't make doorways like they used to. But I got to tell you, my dining room table, they don't make dining room tables like they used to either. It's a freaking, you know, it's not Ikea, but it's not. um, My grandfather built this in the war back when trees really were made of wood. Like, it's not particle board, but it's not, you know, I could lift it with a friend. If I can lift something with a friend, it's not going to save me in an earthquake. So I would, I do think my doorway is a better idea. So I'm standing in the doorway and I was like, I hate this. And I got a little on edge. It's not the same as giving me a panic attack or giving me an anxiety attack. It's just more dread. It's just this feeling of, oh, this is how today is going to go now, isn't it? I'm going to be thinking about this in the back of my head. And so what I realized was I felt nauseous, like I was on a boat. Now, I don't know if that was the rollers in my building. Again, these things I think we have, maybe that we don't. And I felt like what people who talk about having vertigo felt like. I just felt off. And I felt, I just felt suddenly really strange. As though, honestly, if you had told me an alien came down and somehow got into my soul, it felt, I felt changed physically. And, and so uh, I went on Twitter. That's where I go. In case of emergency, I learned about it. It was a 6.4, 150 miles away in the desert. Uh, Some structural damage there. Mostly everybody's okay. Blah, blah, blah. And I went, wait, that was a 6.4. That's when it started to dawn on me. 150 miles away, I felt a 6.4. Oh, wait, maybe I don't understand earthquakes. So then I start going down the rabbit hole. When the big one comes, it will be 44 times that of the great earthquake of San Francisco or Northridge. And I'm like... Oh, we're effed. If it happens, if the epicenter is right under Los Angeles, you're probably not going to get out alive. And then my sister called me and said, well, what is it that you're nervous about exactly? That your building's going to fall on your head? And I said, no, it's that the gas tank can blow up in the basement, that fires start happening, roads get blocked. My car is in a building that has an electronic gate. How do we get out? How do we drive out? Um, Anything, you know? So, but I have three earthquake kits, one in my car, one under my sink, and one in my closet, in my hall closet. And th- this, uh, I think like eight years ago when I was getting my divorce and I was, I was going through this, like, I live alone now. I must protect myself, getting my stun gun and getting all these things. My boss at the time, his wife was working at a company that made prepackaged earthquake kits and not some dinky schminky. This is the real deal. I have crowbars, every kind of mask you would want, thermal blankets, uh, things that turn into water. It's it's unreal how much stuff I have. The one in the kitchen, I keep it under my sink. It's a giant bucket. It turns into a toilet if you need to. And then this biohazard, how to dispose of it stuff. And then the one in my car is all about, you know, if you're on the go and you're stuck somewhere and you're cold and you're hungry and you're water and flashlights and flare things. And I mean, everything. So I have all of those, but I didn't have the extra water and I didn't have an overnight bag packed or any of that kind of stuff. So 
okay, so my friend comes over, we write. She didn't feel the earthquake because she was hiking. That always brings me a little bit of a better feeling. Like, you're hiking and you didn't feel the earthquake. So how bad could it be? I mean, I really think it is probably worse to be in a building, but you don't want to be outside where the power lines fall on you. So I feel like the safest place to be is hiking on any of our beautiful trails here in Los Angeles. So we're riding, whatever. Then she goes home. Then I decide I don't want to do anything tonight. Not that I didn't want to anyway. I was going to watch Stranger Things. And so I start watching that. I watch about four episodes and I'm terrified as usual. But the terror isn't really hitting me because I have something more to be terrified about, which is the earthquake. So I'm starting to read that there's going to be aftershocks the next day that can be um, even worse than the one we went through. And I'm like, no, it won't be. I've been through earthquakes before. I've never felt an aftershock that's worse. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So for some reason, I feel more comforted sleeping on the couch that night, which makes no sense because above my couch, I have about 10 framed pictures and this mirror. It's the worst idea on planet Earth. Those things swing around when I have earthquakes. And in my bedroom, it's totally earthquake proof. There's nothing hanging on the wall near my bed. But the logic was, I just want to be out on the couch. I think I was half afraid of Stranger Things, half afraid of the earthquake. So I fell asleep and I woke up to an episode. I guess I'd left the TV on and I made the couch into a bed. It wasn't, it wasn't your sad, I just fell asleep on the couch with a crooked neck and a, you know, throw blanket. But I woke up and there was a rerun of I Love Lucy on. I don't know what it is about I Love Lucy, but it makes me want to die. And I don't even mean kill myself, although it does produce a feeling as sad as being suicidal. But it's more like, I just, I can't handle this, like, make me disappear. It's not a judgment on the show. I know it was funny. Comedians, I I get it. There's something about it that carries a drippy darkness to it, that when it's on, I feel like things are dark. Why is this, where am I that this sitcom is on? I always feel like it's in hospital emergency rooms a lot and waiting areas because you just put on the TV and it's whatever. I don't know. There's something that speaks to just sort of not being with the world. And and I think it goes back to when we were voting in 2008. My voting place was an old folks home. Not one of your best. It wasn't, you know, uh, some fancy old people living with golf carts. It was basically, it looked like a dorm, you know, and these two old women. And so anyway, you're lining up and maybe they just didn't expect, this was the year we elected Barack Obama. So maybe people didn't expect how many people would be lined up to vote, but we had to keep, you, you got inside and once you were inside, it's not like you were in front of the polling booth. You had to keep wrapping, the line was wrapping around all these hallways. And so I was standing right outside of these two old ladies' rooms. And it was this woman in a single bed and another woman in a single bed next to her. And they both had their own TVs. And they're just laying there. I mean, they're they're literally just waiting for death. Like, they're just living out their life. And both of them had I Love Lucy on. And you could hear it like, Ethel, I don't know. And it's in black and white, which just feels so sad. And then they're, one of them just goes, ow! Ow! And just did that for half an hour. Ow! Make it stop! Ow! And people would come in, what's wrong, Mrs. Thing? She goes, what's wrong? Everything hurts. 
every minute of every day and I can't take it anymore and this show isn't making me laugh. And that's what I think of when I see I Love Lucy is just someone going, ow. So when I woke up in the middle of the night, I just felt dark. I felt a darkness. And then I thought, well, maybe it's too much Stranger Things, which I then said, well, I'm awake right now and it's 5 a.m. I'll just keep watching it as the sun comes up. So I watched it all morning and I loved it. And um, so there's that. But I just felt like, God, I think I'm really shaken from that earthquake. No pun intended. And I wasn't sure why, because it wasn't, it was different. It wasn't necessarily the worst. It was the biggest I'd felt, but it wasn't that much more than the last, the last time I felt a big one. And I'm aware I keep saying I felt a big one. And so then I go on with my life and I, I do a couple things that day. Now, July 5th is going to be a writing night. So I do the same thing. Uh, sun is setting. I open up the curtains. I light the citronella candles outside. I light every candle in my apartment. This time I'm like, well, I'm going to open a open a glass. I'm going to open a bottle of wine, have a glass of wine while I start my writing. Everything is in its place. I take the wine. I sit down on my couch. I put my fingers on the computer. It happens again. So now twice when I've made my apartment perfect and adorable and cute and serene, I've had an earthquake. So now I'm starting to get paranoid that anytime I light a fucking candle and sit down and relax, there's going to be an earthquake. But both times, it gave me that 9-11 feeling when the night before 9-11, 9-10 if you will, it was the rainiest, craziest night. I remember stepping in a puddle and I didn't realize how deep it was and it went all the way up to my knee and my friend and I were going to go see this show at the Luna Lounge in New York. And then I was like, I'm in a bad mood. I stepped in the rain and nah, 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 nah. and I said, let's skip the show. And then we went out for drinks instead. And then I was hung over and whatever. But I didn't expect that the next morning the sun would be blasting in my face when I woke up, that it would be the bluest sky without a cloud. I can't tell you how terrible the storm was the night before. And it was shockingly strange how nice it was out. So it almost felt eerie, but I think that was just my hangover. And then when it happened, I just went, oh, it's so weird and movie perfect when terrible things happen against this blue sky. And so when I'm at home, literally saying out loud, do you know, I'm glad I didn't go because I was working on a job in New York last year and I, did, I chose not to go back to it because I was just kind of tired of living in New York without having my own place and staying in Airbnbs and to actually pony up financially for my own place was just a thing I didn't feel like doing. So I was like, you know what? I'm kind of glad I, I had a staycation and, you know, I'm not living in New York right now. And this is perfect. This is literally the thought I was thinking 14 and a half milliseconds before an earthquake. It just felt like I was being fucked with, you know? And then, so the second one on July 5th, I went, this must be the aftershock. And it starts rumbling and I go, okay. And then it just kept rumbling and it kept getting more and more. Now that I've never experienced. Never once in my life have I experienced an earthquake that starts and then it keeps going like, oh yeah, I got more. And again, these earthquakes I've, I've been through, they're five to seven seconds long. You can barely tell what's happening. This was 55 seconds, I think. I made a whole film. Oh, it was a film, but I taped the whole thing. And I was just like, this is crazy. And then when it really started shaking, the the glass doors that lead out to my deck were just, I, it was so loud. And I just thought, is it loud for everyone? Or maybe it was just the, the way my doors are, but they're like, you know, going crazy. And people outside going, they were screaming. You could hear screaming. Oh, you know what? I might play you guys a little sample of it right now. It really freaked me out. 
And 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 so I, you know, my hand started shaking like a bad actor in a movie. You ever see an actor in a movie and you're like, that's not really good hand shaking. That looks like you're just going like shaky shaky with your hand. I'm trying to demonstrate it, but I'm on a podcast like a fucking idiot. Anyway, so here here's what it sounded like. It's happening again. It's so fucking scary. This one's a big one. This one's a big one. It's not stopping. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. Could you hear that? That booming was my my built not like my actual apartment I was sitting in. That booming were the doors. I hope that came out. Do you think that came out on the audio? Oh, good. And you can hear the people. Ah! <laughs> it was not cool. It was not cool. So, um, oh, here we go. So I was shaking after that. And then I'm like, I can't write a word. And I wished I had saved Stranger Things because all I wanted to do was watch something scary. And uh, and I, I didn't know what to do. I, my heart was racing. My Fitbit shot up 12 it said I was working out for 12 minutes because my heart was racing for so long. Then my dad called me. He was at the casino, Foxwoods Casino. So the, I don't know what I did. I just started packing a suitcase. I was like, no, I will not live here anymore. I am not doing this. I will not live here. I am not doing this. So I started packing a suitcase. And uh, it's interesting what you'll what you'll decide is important to you. And I think I have pretty good values. Um, when I was packing my bag, of course, one of the things I packed was deodorant. Now, you don't even need to be making an earthquake kit to uh, pack some deodorant, right? You just need to be living your life every day. Native. Native deodorant. That's our sponsor today. Native deodorant. For 20% off of your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com. Use promo code FUN during checkout. Native says take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Isn't that true? I can live in a building that's shaking and quaking, but really it's just me, my soul, living in my body. And I can drag my body anywhere I want to. And I might have to go live somewhere else because I feel like it would be safer. But I'm always safe in my own body when I am using my native deodorant because it is formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. I'm trying to avoid aluminum because it may be linked to breast cancer and other illnesses. So why, why take a chance? I'm already taking a chance living in L.A. For God's sakes, why don't I play it safe in some other areas? And by the way, it really works because I have, I've got an active lifestyle. I work out. I shake and quake in earthquakes. I don't want, I don't want to be sweating during that. I'll smelly. Filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, which is antimicrobial, shea butter, which is a moisturizer and an emollient, and tapioca starch, which absorbs wetness. It's made in the USA with ingredients that are thoughtfully sourced from around the world. There are no animal testings on this one, free shipping and returns, and it, it works. It can hang out with your workout if you're a busy mom, you got a 16-hour day at work, whatever it is, test it and uh, do it. I mean, listen, here's my thing. I do work out every day. I hike in the hot sun. I go to Pilates. I'm running around. Again, I'm standing in doorways. And I loved it. It doesn't get any wetness on my clothes. It smells great. And it doesn't, uh, it, it just feels good. It just feels right. And I have, I believe mine is cucumber mint and it smells, smells great. Everyone loves them. If you don't believe me, you don't have to. Check over 7,000 five-star reviews. 
Um, they've been mentioned on the Today Show, Women's Health, Elle Magazine, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, and more. Less is more with Native. Fewer, simpler ingredients, so you know that that's all that's in their deodorant, right? Aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer's. Native is priced at a slight premium when compared to conventional deodorants, but it is safe and effective. It comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, plus limited edition seasonal scents are released throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those of you who are sensitive. So their classic scents include coconut and vanilla. Vanilla. Jen. So my brain is still scattered from this hurricane. It's not a hurricane. It's an earthquake. Lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. There is no risk to try it. They offer free returns exchanges in the USA. Subscribe and save 17%. Save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door one, two, three, or four months. You know, I don't know how much you're sweating. So I'm using the cucumber and mint. And what I liked about it is it didn't stain my clothes. It didn't feel like, you know, sometimes you wear a deodorant and you're like, okay, well, I need to feel some natural thing here. It doesn't feel like it's stopping your gland. It doesn't feel like it's closing up your glands. I, I just felt like it was just, it was like wearing nothing. It was perfect. And I didn't, I didn't smell at all. So here you go. NativeDeodorant.com. Visit promo code FUN during the checkout. 20% off your first purchase. Thank you all. Thank you, Native. Hope you have a good home here. Let's talk about some tour dates I'm doing, and then we'll finish up my story here. I'm going to be in Los Angeles July 26th. I will be in Minneapolis August 10th, Nashville August 15th, Birmingham, Alabama August 16th, um, uh, oh God, Athens, Georgia August 17th, San Antonio, Texas August 21st, Houston, Texas August 22nd, Austin, Texas August 25th, Brooklyn on 9-11, Boston on September 13th, Toronto from the 19th through the 22nd, Delmar, California on September 15th. Then I will be, oh yeah, sorry, I said that one backwards. Then I'll be in London uh, September 30th through October 5th, Manchester, the UK, October 6th, Amsterdam, October 8th, Oslo, Norway, October 13th. And then I just added some shows in Richmond, Virginia, December 6th, and North Durham, North Carolina, December 7th, and then San Francisco. I'm coming back for one night, November 17th. So holy shit. JenKirkman.com, right on the homepage. If tickets aren't available yet, you can sign up on that same page to get an email the day that they do go on sale. Now, a lot of people are like, but I like your podcast, but I've seen your Netflix. I got to tell you, just come see me live. And every week I'm going to play a small clip from some of the shows that I've taped that I've been doing. So this week's clip is just, you know, stand up is fun. I don't always uh, just do my act. And I don't do the heckling thing. I don't. But sometimes there are audiences who are really cool, and I and I talk with them. And but I think this is um, me riffing. I was in Phoenix in March, and I just started riffing about what happened to me that day when I was picking up my rental car, and I thought it was fun, and the audience was so fantastic. They just went along with me, and and this is what makes it fun because I feed off your energy, you feed off mine. It's a really great relationship and it's something that you don't get to experience when you see it on TV. So I really encourage you guys, stand up is what I do for a living. It's how I make my money. If you don't come, I don't make no money. So I'm going to play this clip right now. Enjoy it. And we'll get right back to my earthquake story. I was, so I was at Enterprise Rent-A-Car today at the airport and this guy goes, how was your flight? And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm he- like, it didn't crash, it's not my flight. <laughs> not really checked in with my feelings right now. I'm just trying to get a car and go, where do you live? And he looks at me, Los Angeles, fun. I'm like, I- sure, I guess so. I-, I don't know, just 
What brings you to town? Like, I'm gonna fucking tell him I'm a comedian. I always just say the same thing. My friend is having an abortion. I always go, and it's a guy, so it's a whole weird procedure. Just don't ask me. I know you think, why won't you tell him you're a comedian? That's fun, that's nice for people to hear. You don't understand. People like comedians in this environment as a group. You get your drinks, it's dark, I'm on stage, pressure's off you. But one-on-one -on -one when you meet a comedian, there's a fucking hatred. There's something happens to people. Go, what do you do? I'm a comedian. <laughs> really? Oh, they're being funny right now. Like they just, all their, all their hopes and dreams come to the surface. And they're like, if that's a comedian, why can't I fucking do it? And I'm like, we're not always on. We're mostly powered down all day. And then we go on stage and we power back. We're like dummies that you pull out of a box. Like we're not going that. So anyway. But whenever I tell someone I'm a comedian, they go, tell me a joke, or they go, do you know Jerry Seinfeld? And when I tell them I've met Jerry Seinfeld, I know who he is, he's not my friend. They're like, you can't be real. It would be like if you were a lawyer, and someone went, do you know Abraham Lincoln? You're like, oh no, that's not really like what I do. He's like, dad, and you're like, you're not a lawyer then. Okay, good luck though. Good luck, keep trying. Someday you'll be a lawyer. So guys asking me a million questions, and I'm just thinking, I fucking hate this small talk. I just want to ask him if I can upgrade to a different kind of car. And this guy next to me, this is, and don't be sad, because I'm going to say some dark shit. <laughs> but what we're going to laugh at is not the guy's situation. We're going to laugh at, just please, <laughs> I need you to find this one. <laughs> This guy comes up, this is what I mean, is if your middle manager boss tells you, make small talk, okay, but fucking learn to read the room. So if someone comes up to you and they look perhaps like they want to die, don't make small talk to that person. So this guy comes up to the counter. Hey, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if the reservation was made or not. I, um, I can't been able to think. Like that. Mm -hmm. Guy goes, how you doing today? <laughs> the guy goes, huh? Um, yeah. In town for some baseball? No, I don't think he is. <laughs> he goes, baseball? No, uh, see you in a friend. He goes, what do you guys got planned for tonight? He goes, my friend's in the hospital. He goes, oh, send your friend some good wishes. He goes, I would if I could. She's in a coma and won't be able to be revived. And I'm over there like, <laughs> not like a friend, but I fucking get it, dude. You just fucking epic found that guy. <laughs> like, I know he can't laugh about it now, but he and I will go for a drink in a week and I'll be like, how about when they tried to small talk you? And you had to be like, no, dude, nothing you're saying applies. Like, oh, it made me so fucking happy. And so after he said, she's in a coma, he goes, okay, well, let's get you in the car of your dreams today. If I had known the guy that was renting the car would have yelled, get him a hearse, I would have. Anyway. Damn. He's right, white man. Damn. I 
know how black I didn't say that, because there's no black people. following. Listen, I'm so appreciative that you guys are here, but seriously, I have white straight people like me so much. Okay, so I'm back with my earthquake story. So I'm packing my bag. Now, I don't know where I think I'm going. I look, there's a JetBlue flight out of Boston at 11.50 p.m. And it's like 8.30 right now. And I'm like, I could get there and I could just go fly to see my family. And, you know, I'm texting my sister. She's like, I don't know. I mean, She doesn't even tell me, by the way, that the next day the biggest thunderstorm is coming. So I would have been screwed if I got in. And I kept saying to my family, it's not that I'm scared intellectually. It's that my body now is in fight or flight. My adrenal glands are going absolutely crazy. And I'm shaking and I feel weird. And I just, I don't know. It's like, it's like broke my heart in a way. I felt like, hey, you can't have. And so then I found out that wasn't an aftershock. It was a completely separate earthquake on a different fault line. And I was like, this shit's getting crazy. I know you all say it's not connected, but, you know, I'm sitting there like a conspiracy theorist. Like, he was on the front lawn and then Oswald came in. Like, I'm just going nuts. Like, yeah, it is all connected. And my dad called me from the casino he was at. And, he, you know, my mother had called the day before, Jennifer, what was going on with the earthquake? And now my parents never call because they've been shamed into not bothering me about earthquakes. But I think this time they knew these were big. And my dad called me. I said, Dad, this is not great. I'm freaking out. And he goes, ah, just be cool, Jen. Just be cool. I go, how do you suggest I be cool? He goes, yeah, take it easy. And not dismissively. Like, it was actually very comforting. Um, my dad is is very, he always had some great advice about certain things. Whenever I was nervous about something, he'd go, in 24 hours, this will all be over. And that's kind of how I look at things sometimes. Like, just put your head down and get through it, and time will pass, and it will stop being the thing that you're worried about. But um, I said that, you know, this whole in 24 hours, it'll all be over thing. I mean, it's over now, but I'm not returning to my normal stasis the way I do after um, earthquakes. This is really messing with me, because unlike a hurricane or a tornado or a snowstorm where you know, you may not have the resources to get out, but in general, you get a warning. This is no warning. This is foolishness. This is ridiculous. You know, I, I, I don't like this. It makes it, it, it not even what my thoughts are doing. My body is not responding very well to this. And so my dad started talking about Donald Trump. You know, they say because Donald Trump on July 4th said that in uh, during the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, that they stopped the airports which there weren't airports. And we don't know if he was having one of his uh, sundowning, well, that happens at night, but one of his, you know, dementia-addled things. And and he was trying to say ramparts, and he said airports. But whatever it was, not cool. And my dad was like, they're getting on. But Obama said there was 57 states once. I go, I got it. There's a difference between someone who speaks for a living, such as myself, and President Obama. And you just say, like, what's the word for that? And then there's someone, like, doubling down and being like, no, airports. I said airports, and that's what it is. And so I go, Dad, I cannot talk. We have a rule. No talking about Trump. He goes, took your mind off the earthquake. And I was like, that's pretty funny. So my dad's uh, fix was get her angry, and then she'll be less scared. So, I mean, I felt aftershocks all night. A couple times I had to run under the table again. They weren't that big. But my bed... Just, you know, every hour, um, the night of the 5th, my bed would just, almost like having a poltergeist. And I had just watched Stranger Things, so I was sleeping with the lights on. Like, I don't know if this is a demagogue or whatever that thing is, or I don't know if this is an aftershock. But either way, the light on will fix everything. 
And uh, now I just feel unsteady and weird and I'm on edge. And if, if like if I'm like sitting at a table that's a little loose, I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be this way for a little while because those were the biggest ones. Again, that's what she said that we've ever seen. Um, I'll end on this. My parents are at the casino and my parents don't have iPhones. They don't have technology in that way. So they miss out on the joys of texting and sending photos. And they're always saying things to me. My sister, you guys are on your phones all the time. I'm like, but you would be too, because they still do the same things that people with iPhones and people who text do. They do these little like photo shoots. And I got a picture of my parents at the casino holding a hundred dollar bill. I guess they just won something and went and cashed it in and got their money. And they're smiling and they look cute. They actually look great. You know, there was a year ago when they were like 80 and I was like, oh, I don't think things are going that well. And then they kind of had a, a revamp and they're 81 and losing weight and looking great. And um, But I get a text from someone. I don't know who it is. It's just a, an area code from Massachusetts going, hi, Jen, look what your parents do on the weekend. And I just wrote, oh, LOL. And I don't want to be like, who's this? Because it might be someone that's like a friend of my parents, but I don't want to get involved so I just, so they just sent me a bunch of photos that they posed for, like taking a selfie, but having someone else do it. And then they just give a strange, oh, here's my daughter's phone number. But of course they tell them she's a comedian, she's on TV. So they're basically like, here's someone in the public eye's phone number. And then this person texts me and I just wrote, now I went into regular people humor. I'm not going to give her the real humor. I go into regular people humor and I wrote, LOL, tell them to stop spending my inheritance. Just a joke. Am I getting an inheritance? I never assumed I am. Not because they don't like me. I don't think there's an inheritance to give. We are a, a working class family. And so then that person writes back. This was the weirdest thing. Things go. And this is what I just talked about in the stand-up clip you just heard. When, when people talk to comedians, things go sour so quickly. I said, oh, my God, they look really good. Thanks for sending this. Tell them to stop spending my inheritance. Ha, ha, ha. Didn't you hear we changed the will? You better start calling me sis. Now, again, I don't know who I'm emailing with or texting with. Now, they're doing regular people humor, which is fine. That's like, these are cute comments like, listen, is it going to kill at Madison Square Garden? No, but it's that's texting humor. Like, you know, we basic it down for texting. So I gave her the laughing, crying face, which is universal for I laughed at your joke, conversation over. And she wrote, oh, okay, and you're the comedian, right? Ha, 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 but I made you laugh. And I'm like, what? Like, suddenly, because... I politely emoji laughed. They are now one up on me because they made the comedian laugh. And now it takes my entire job into question. Oh, and you're the comedian? Yeah, people in real life make people laugh. Sometimes you put a Band-Aid on your kid. doesn't mean you're a fucking surgeon. You want to get up and do what I do on stage? That's surgery, baby. The, all this other stuff where you diagnose yourself with a cold, that's real life. This is real life. This is regular stuff. I was like... Who starts busting my balls in a not funny way? And they're like, um, and they were like, you better get back to writing jokes. And I'm like, what? And I was like, what? I can't tell my parents, though, because they'll go tell the people. They will tell the people, whoever this is. It's probably friends of theirs, because I was like, people, this, this is my people secretly fucking hate comedians. They love us on stage. They resent us all the time because everyone thinks that they are funny because everyone is funny in their own ways at the right times. And that's why I'm trying to explain comedy is the same way. It, as a job, I am funny on stage. In real life, not funny. That's why I started this podcast. It's a place I could go to be not funny. Uh, so yeah, 
but just because a comedian's not funny in real life doesn't mean they're not good at their job. And just because you make some jokes over text that a comedian fake laughed at doesn't mean you have to call into question my job. So so that's what I did uh, over the weekend is while my parents were like whooping it up at a casino, I was in an earthquake and then just having strangers bust my balls over text. Oh my God. Well, everybody stay safe out there. Get an earthquake kit. I, en- I didn't end up traveling anywhere, but I did end up packing an overnight bag. They always say have one in case you have to go. Now that lives in my closet and I have two extra gallons of water. So, you know, I'm doing what I can do. I'm doing what I can do to stay safe in what seems really, I mean, we joke, but seems like the end times. Okay, until next week, have fun.